Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Southside Light News Podcast. I'm Matt Pierce Briscoe. Today, I'm having a conversation with Eric Rodriguez. Mr. Rodriguez is running for mayor of Corpus Christi, and though some may consider him an outlier candidate, Rodriguez is working to get his message in front of potential voters. These political and public policy issue-based podcasts are produced by the Southside Light and are made possible through the support of our individual and business members who help us produce this value-driven content that informs, educates, and influences our community across various mediums. This edition specifically is sponsored by Skyroam, providers of mobile data solutions wherever you go. To learn more about Skyroam, how to purchase or rent it, or even how it works, you can visit www.skyroam.com. That's www.skyroam.com. We'd like to thank Skyroam for making this podcast and all of our content free for use to the public. Now, my conversation with candidate for City of Corpus Christi Mayor, Eric Rodriguez. All right, joining us today is Eric Rodriguez. Eric is running for uh, for mayor of Corpus Christi. He has a uh, a good um, a good following here locally. Eric, thanks for joining us, man. And thank you as well, man. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about myself and my campaign. Yeah, it's a uh, really glad to have you. It's uh, it's good to have uh, some new voices on the scene and. And just right out of the box, uh, we're, again, we're talking with Eric Rodriguez, uh, running for mayor of Corpus Christi. Uh, his website is cctodayandtomorrow.com. Is that right, Eric? Yes, sir. That is correct. Wonderful. Eric, right out of the box, uh, I'm, I'm going to hit you with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball here right down the middle. Um, <clears throat> Governor Abbott came out with uh, w- with his pledge to back the blue. Um, did you sign it? Do you plan to sign it? What are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. I appreciate that. Um, I was contacted about that pledge. Um, I believe it came out like maybe an hour right right before I was called by the Channel 6 News. I wasn't aware of it until after that call and I looked into it. Um, Long story short, I support the Corpus Christi Police Force and the department. I, at this moment in time, not signing it, mainly due to the fact that the governor is, I feel like he's playing politics with the police force and uh, mm-hmm. the budget and the taxes and whatnot. And that's the only reason I'm not. I have other strategies on, you know, uh, helping our police uh, get staffed. Because right now, I believe we're a third under national standards on being staffed. And the way that the strategy on my platform, how I'm trying to do that is increase the revenue. So at the same time, you know, we're, we're helping out our police and making sure they're, um, fully staff, you know, to meet their needs. But at the same time, we got to look at what does the city need? Where, where else do we need staffing in as well? Where are some of the areas you think that we need staffing at? Uh, for starters, we need to create jobs for core social services. We lack in that area. Um, mm-hmm. We need to create some jobs, uh, additional jobs in parks and recreation as well. We're, we've been lacking in that area for, oh man, X amount of years. They usually get the short end of the stick on the budget as well. Well, and and that that's a big part of your platform, isn't it, Eric? Is is job creation? Uh, by you are t- tell us a little bit about your background first. You, you work out at the base. You're part of the union out there. You're president of the union out there, right? Yes, sir. Fill us correct. in a little bit on your your background. I'll be glad to. Well, 
for a little over a decade, uh, about 12 years, I worked for the Department of Defense. Eight of those years have been with the Corpus Christi Army Depot. The last four have been with NAVFAC, which is Navy Facilities and Engineering Command, and Environmental Management. And what environmental management really means is um, we are keeping the compliance with the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act. We manage hazardous materials uh, and waste as well, um, get it off the base. And the most important part is we create and implement environmental management and emergency management policies, as well as disaster response management policies, which I keep preaching, I believe is pretty relevant to what's been going on, you know, in our city in the last couple mm -hmm. of months and whatnot, especially with COVID-19. Um, and apart from that, um, you are correct. I am the union president for AFGE Local 1005 on the Navy side, which is the American Federation of Government Employees. And that role has allowed me to basically be a voice for the workers to create uh, policies and um, fight unfair labor practices and just make sure that we are all working in a safe work environment. And, and looking at that, and that's a huge part, looking at your, your website, looking at some of your, your agenda items, you are focused on bringing good paying jobs to Corpus Christi. You, you, you believe that's what we need to move forward, right? Right. Correct. Yes, sir. And, and where would, if somebody hears you say that and, and it, looking at it from an outsider looking in, it almost sounds like you're being critical of our regional EDC and our chamber of commerce is almost when we say that they're, you know, because I've had this discussion with numerous people and they've even mm -hmm. accused me of being the same way, mm -hmm. being critical of the regional EDC when I said we need to bring in better jobs. What do you say to those people? I say we can always do better. You know, they're doing a good job, but good sometimes is not good enough. We can always mm -hmm. do better. Um, and what I'm talking about is diversifying our economy of new, new and different revenue streams. You know, we kind of continue to keep the same type of, uh, revenue streams when we bring in the same type of industries all the time. A great mm -hmm. example is, you know, oil and gas. It's not a bad thing at all. You know, it's given a lot of people jobs and put food on the table and, you know, roof over their heads. And those are the people that I fight for, the everyday working class person. But I do believe it's time that we bring in those different, you know, industries such as, you know, software companies, tech companies, you know, gas companies. Uh, we can even bring in the drone companies. And I believe we talked about this before, Matt, is we mm -hmm. already have that labor force here. You know, we have the schools with TAMUCC, sure. Delmar, they have all these programs. And at the same time, when they're ready to graduate and join the workforce, they can stay right here locally in Corpus Christi. And a good number, research proves that a good number of these, these students, the second they graduate, even before they graduate, they're planning on leaving Corpus Christi. That, that is not a good scenario for the city, in your opinion, is it? No, it's not. Like I said, you know, we invested so much into these students and likewise on their part back into the city that, you know, we should be able to work with one another to find that happy medium to keep everybody here happily, you know, uh, employed. One of the big one of the big reasons that, that that students when they graduate say that they leave Corpus Christi to go elsewhere next to availability of jobs and salary is quality of life having access to good quality parks and recreation, uh, things to do uh, other than just go to the beach, go to the, go fishing, go to a baseball game, whatever. Uh, what is your platform on that, Eric Rodriguez, about 
giving people things to do and giving them an incentive to stay here uh, beyond just jobs. Right. It's a great question. Once again, I appreciate that. So the quality of life, you know, like you just said, you know, we, we love the picnic here. We love the fish here. You know, we love the surf. You know, I'm not that great of a surfer myself, but I try. Yeah. But we have to preserve all that, you know, all those things that we like about living here in Corpus Christi. So when I speak about quality of life, majority of the time I'm talking about preserving those things that we really enjoy here. So, you know, I'm probably the only candidate that's looking at reconstructing the IDAs, which are the industrial district agreements, you know, mm-hmm. to put on some tougher stances on environmental regulations and whatnot. So we do not pollute our bays and our waters that we enjoy so much in these parks. Um, so I would say that's a little different aspect on my platform from the other candidates. And, and your your day one of your, your administration, should you get elected, you're going to start working to bring those jobs and retaining the, this workforce here in Corpus Christi. Um, how do you plan on getting there? I plan on getting with all the necessary uh, entities and uh you know, all the, the people that are in charge of those roles, having a sit down, you know, as they say, the round table and figuring out what is the best way that we can all work as a team to make this uh, this goal, this long term goal, a reality. Are you um, <clears throat> looking at it, it? This is another question. And I think uh, it, it bears to be asked, what qualifies Eric Rodriguez to be mayor of Corpus Christi, one of the largest, not the largest city, but among the largest cities in the state of Texas. Right. Um, Well, as I kind of mentioned before, I do Mm -hmm. have a different background from, you know, the other candidates, the the top three candidates that I didn't mention, you know, in numerous other interviews and whatnot. They're all kind of the same. You know, they, they all are, you know, backed by industry. They, you know, they, What's the word I'm looking for? They have, I guess, the money that they need to campaign and sure. you know throw out as many signs as possible and whatnot. <clears throat> I'm 100% grassroots. Um, I believe in fighting for the everyday working class person like myself. You know, my funds come from the everyday citizen. That's why I cherish every dollar and every penny that we get, and I make sure to, to use it in the correct way. But I believe my roles as uh, the union president for the Amer- American Federation of Government Employees, policy making there policy making as well as my in my environmental management job for the Department of Defense for over 12 years. I believe that's a, a pretty big, I guess you could say, uh, background to have because majority of the role of the mayor is to implement policies for the will of the people, you know, and then guide uh, those policies to ensure that the city manager can make those a reality as well. So, sure. uh, you know, it's, it, it takes a lot of mature decision making consistency and listening to the people, you know, our constituents. Would you have, uh, obviously, coronavirus, COVID-19 has been front and center of, uh, of life for the past six, eight months now. Under an Eric Rodriguez administration as mayor, what would you have done different? What would COVID-19 response look like under the leadership of Eric Rodriguez? Well, I believe in proactive approach to everything when I create, even when I, you know, start working on policies and creating policies, um, I would have been, you know, taking the, pro, the, the most toughest, you know, proactive approach there was, and people can go to my website uh, at www.cctodaytomorrow.com and our Facebook page also at 
today and tomorrow. And you will be able to see that back in March, I was putting out videos and, um, you know, basically urging the city council and mayor that, hey, we need harsher and tougher stances now on, uh, you know, wearing masks, implementing the mask policies, restrictions on the tourists coming down uh, and whatnot from hot spots, um, minimizing, you know, the activity <clears throat> on the beach from those tourists. And, you know, I'm not sure if the mayor was aware of this or if he just didn't, you know, just blatantly didn't do it. But the mayor actually had the, the authority to do these things and create these policies, you know, in the, the event of a disaster like we were talking about. So those are the things that I would have done if I was mayor. Um, and those are things that I will do when I am elected mayor to ensure everybody's safety. And, and you're talking about things such as, um, you know, rent control, things like that, right? For they're well within a mayor's authority to do that. You don't believe that uh, Mayor McComb went far enough with, with his response, I guess? Correct. I believe he failed on a lot of his response. Uh, yes, rent control would have been one of those. Also, you know, the mitigation of who is coming into our city and what we do with the small businesses here. I, I believe the small businesses, um, we could have did a, a lot better. You know, they just didn't have any guidance on what they should have done or what they could have done. And that was just a lack of our leadership here locally. And, and was, do you believe that we had effective communication and effective response between the city and the county governments? I, in my personal opinion, I don't think we did. Um, as you can tell, mm -hmm. the county judge took over, you know, yeah. and I personally think she did a great job. She stepped up during a, you know, a time of need and she did what she could and, the results are showing that now we're starting to be on the decline of this uh, COVID-19. And like I said, there was a, I believe there's a lack of response there, especially from our current mayor. And, and do you think there was a lack of response from city council in general? I wouldn't say city council in general. There were some council members that I did see that were, you know, they were trying to, you know, make some stuff happen and do the right, the right things, make the right calls. Uh, but, you know, it takes more than just a couple of city council members to make those decisions and to push them through. And, and one of those city council members um, is, is council member Paulette Wajardo, who's running for mayor, um, one of your opponents. <clears throat> what how do you rate and I'm going to go down this with with Mayor McComb mm -hmm. and, and with with Commissioner Vaughn, who who I, I think we all pretty much agree this is a three or four candidate race trying to get to a runoff in December. How do you think that each, if I had to ask you, rate Miss Wajardo, Miss Vaughn, and Mayor McComb on a scale of one to 10, how would you think each of them did? I would say all three of them probably ranked at a three. Really? Right. And maybe, you know what, I take that back a little bit. I'd say Miss Guardo, she probably was at a four or a five because she was she she put out you know COVID data you know daily, but other mm -hmm. than other than that, I didn't see much um, extra you know going the extra mile to to help out the citizens there, as fact you know as policy wise. Sure. <clears throat> Would you have closed the beaches? That's a tough uh, question. Right, it is. You know, and I've been asked this question a lot, so I would have closed the beaches under some certain restrictions here. So I would have let the locals still, you know, enjoy the beach with the policies being created that, hey, we got to keep the social distancing. You know, we have to make sure everybody is 100% safe with the guidelines that we're putting out there. 
if you do not fi- uh, follow those guidelines, you know, you would have been subject to uh, the tickets and whatnot. That I wouldn't put any empty threats out there. And I would have made sure that, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to do that for the locals, tourists, of course. I would have uh, encouraged for them not to come down here. I was actually the only candidate that was opposing the uh, the campaign that was put out, the marketing campaign to bring all the tourists down here still. Um, I, I got a lot of backlash. Like with the, uh, the coastal, the, the, the coastal yeah. distancing campaign? Yes, sir. You know, and uh, I got a lot of backlash on that from some of the some of the those people, but you know, I believe it was the right thing to do. Um, look at where we ended up. We had almost had 300 plus deaths, and I believe mm-hmm. a lot of that was, you know, caused from bringing a lot of tourists down from hot spots. Do you think we're we're seeing the positivity rate in the state and the region decrease mm-hmm. um, statewide? I think it was 24 percent. Now we're down to around 8 percent. I think what. A lot of people say that that's just because folks aren't getting tested like they were before. Um, are you concerned that we're moving too quickly to return things to quote unquote normal? Yes, I am. And I believe it's a little bit of both. Um, like you said, I believe it is because of the testing. And I do believe it's because we finally started taking some of these policies seriously, finally. Um, and I do think that we can't move too fast or we're going to hit another you know, major wave in the increase of, of these cases. So, so you don't think we're through with this yet? by any means? I, I, No, sir. I, I still think that this is going to go on through the rest of the year and I might even continue into the beginning of uh, January and February of next year. Would you have mandated masks or attempted to mandate masks to the extent the state was allowing it? Yes, I would. Um, I was actually the only candidate that actually wrote uh, Governor Abbott and you can see that on my mm-hmm my Facebook page, campaign page as well. Uh, I wrote him urging to give us that authority here locally or to all local uh, governments so we could start fighting and uh, combating COVID-19, at least from that aspect, you know, to prevent the spread of it from there. When I, uh, <clears throat> when I speak with, with lawmakers in Austin, and, and, and I speak with many of them quite regularly, they tell me that there's one bit of legislation in the upcoming legislative session that would put mayors and county judges on equal footing. Um, what do you believe that the mayors and the county judges are seen as equals uh, today, or that the mayor should have a little bit more, um, a little bit more leverage in, in their decision making? I believe that they should be on an equal, you know, playing field. There, it takes it takes both of these leaders to come to decisions that are going to affect, you know, the, the city and the county. I think they uh, co- correlate with each other. So I believe that that is important for them to be on the same level. How do you feel about development? And, and I'm looking at your your campaign finance reports and, and where, where you're getting money. You, you're not taking money from some of the big name developers. You're not taking money right. from out of town developers. Where do you stand as far as, and you know where I'm going with this, North right. Beach. North, <laughs> Beach is a, North Beach is a hot button issue. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on the North Beach development, the drainage issue, the, the out-of-town development, the, the local investment dollars? What would Eric Rodriguez, if he were mayor of Corpus Christi, how would you address that issue? Well, you know, the first issue with that is North Beach doesn't have a drainage issue. And I think that's the narrative that's been pushed but it's, that's just incorrect. It's an elevation issue, you know? And 
I believe that the city's even brought down an engineer and paid an engineer to look at it, and he's even confirmed it's not a drainage issue. It is elevation. So that whole uh, take on it is completely wrong. I do believe also that there is a coastal resiliency fund that we could tap into that has not been tapped into. It's about $400 million, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can use, you can team up with TxDOT and GLO, and we can get that going. And, and what that fund is, is to help uh, you know, developments just like this on the North Beach that have a um, the the problem that we're I'm sorry the problem that we we're talking about there not the drainage issue but more mm-hmm. of the the elevation right and, and 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 that is one side of it a lot of folks say that it's an elevation issue some folks say that uh, the GLO would have to allow for a canal entry and a canal exit to be put right through the middle of the beach um, are you ready to, to take on the politics and the developers when it comes to North Beach? Oh, yeah, I'm 100 percent ready. I mean, I've never shied away from a big fight or, you know, something that's important as this, you know, given my background. And, you know, this would be no different. I'd be willing to sit down and, uh, you know, be as diplomatic as possible to find the right solution and the right answers that benefits the residents and citizens of Corpus Christi. Going back to jobs and job creation, uh, and we're talking with Eric Rodriguez, one of the main candidates, I I guess we could say, for Corpus Christi mayor. Uh, He's taking on uh, Mayor Joe McComb, uh, current County Commissioner Carolyn Vaughn, and Councilmember Paulette Wajardo, and a handful of other candidates who are outliers. But but Eric, let me ask you this, DSAL, what are your thoughts on DSAL? This is a hot topic right now, Matt. I'm tell you that. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's a very hot topic. Yeah, and and like like North Beach, a lot of folks say that there is some misinformation floating around about that. Right, and yeah. let me let me do my best to kind of guess, yeah. clarify some of that information. So, sure. first off, I would say that you know this water would not be for residents. That's kind of been the narrative also that's been pushed that we would be able, you know, to use. A good portion of it, it's not for us, it's for industry. You know, industry is going to use 70 to 75 percent of this water. Uh, they do want the citizens to pay for it. Um, for me, for this to happen, it, it's just it would have to be environmentally uh, done responsibly as well as financially. And I just don't think that we need it right now in Corpus Christi or in the foreseeable future. Uh, we have enough water for 59 the next 59 years you know, for the residents wise, but, you know, mm-hmm. for industry, they want to be protected during a drought. So that's where the desalination is coming from. Uh, so they don't have to stop their processes and, you know, and whatnot during the drought. So, like I said, you know, I would, I'd have to say right now, this is not the right time for desalination. There's more cons than there are the pros for it. Are you an opponent of desal in general? I wouldn't say in general, like, if they had the right plan, like I'm saying, environmentally and financially, environmentally, I mean by the discharge of the brine, which is, you know, very, mm-hmm. very, very high in salinity that would kill anything in our bay. Uh, and there's tons of studies on that. That would have to be piped out into the Gulf as well as the intake of the water piped out in the Gulf as well, not into our bay. Uh, that would affect our quality of life, just like we're you know, talking about earlier. And the financial aspect of it, 
industry would have to pay for it. They're going to be using majority of that water. They would have to pay for the buildup and the maintenance of it. Plain and simple. What? How do you feel about the location? A lot of people are saying that it's been eyed for the inner harbor. Um, and some people say it's better suited to be out on Harbor Island. What What do you say to, to the location of this thing? Where, where do you think it should be? La Quinta Channel, uh, the inner harbor, Harbor Island, where do you think it should be? You know, if we end up having it. Right. If we were to end up having it, that's, that's kind of a... It's one of those questions where it's like, it, it really doesn't matter where it's at. It still has, mm-hmm. to, what we're mainly concerned about is, you know, the discharge and the intake. Um, but if anything, it would need to be close, I guess you say, to the port because uh, that's who's going to be using the majority of it also and should be close to them if we went that route. How do we get beyond desal? How, how would we get uh, the industry, the water that they claim that they need? If we looked at beyond desal, mm-hmm. well, one of the things that I've always, you know, tried to throw out there to the public as an alternate uh, resource, and I believe I, I talked about this in 2018 as well, mm-hmm. is gray water. I believe we have 59 million uh, gallons of that a day that you know just goes to waste, and I think the city should look into that and possibly sell that uh, to industry. And. <clears throat> You say that's gray water use, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, looking at the cost, would you be okay with, if, if industry came back and they had a proposal to, they were going to fully fund this 100%, would you be okay with putting desal in? As long as it was environmentally responsible and we sat down and we made sure that we put those preventative measures in place to protect our, our bay and our residents' health and safety, then there would be a good possibility of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you, 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 when we talked briefly on the phone last week prior to this interview, you had mentioned that, that your work with the Sierra Club, right? Correct, yes, sir. And you, you because of your stance on DSAL and that statement right there, some of the Sierra Club folks have expressed some disagreement with you on that, right? Correct. That is true. I've, like I said, I've had a, a little bit of backlash on it, um, you know, but it's just a proactive approach. Uh, mm-hmm. My way of thinking on this is, you know, if it does come in, this is what we want to do. I'm not saying, hey, let's do this right now, because uh, as I mentioned earlier, I just, I just don't think it's the right time and I don't think we need it. But this is just a, a proactive approach if it happens. And uh, now... I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, kind of circling back to the jobs thing and and kind of intermixing COVID-19. We have uh, the hospital district. We have the hospital board. The city plays a big role in that. Um, And we'll come back to this desal because I want to talk a little bit about the port. But talking about this job creation in in healthcare in, in our hospital district, what do you think we need to do? to help get our homeless the help that they need, because a lot of these homeless are mentally ill. Mm -hmm. A lot of them seek mental health treatment, but it's just not available to them here to the extent that it might be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. How do we address the mental health issue and the mental health care issue with our hospital district and with our community as a whole for those that need to access it the most? Well, first off, I think that the city has to, you know, own the homeless issue. 
um, by doing that, mm -hmm. instead of just passing it down to all these multiple agencies and, you know, not staying on top of what these multiple agencies are doing to fix the solution, uh, doesn't help at all. So this is actually on my platform. So one of the things that I would mm -hmm. advocate to do as mayor is create one comprehensive general plan that everybody would have to follow and get aligned with. And the city would have to take over and manage and supervise that plan to make sure it's implemented well. And part of that plan is to work with the county, uh, mental you know, health departments and social services and whatnot, and creating those jobs if necessary also uh, to make sure that everybody does have the adequate uh, resources you know, available to them in a timely manner so we can start eliminating uh, these problems that we're having here and hopefully start um, you know, decreasing the homeless issue down here. When you say that the city needs to own its homeless issue, um, I, I think a lot of people would agree with you that, that, that the city passes the buck a lot to private right. agencies and, and nonprofits and not saying that those nonprofits don't do good work. It's just, there, there's only so much they can do. Right. Exactly. And it, do you, the city within the past year or so uh, created this homeless task force. Uh, do you believe that they've done enough to reach out to our homeless? I mean, there's one count that says we have eight, 900 homeless individuals on the streets of Corpus Christi. I would dare to say it's higher than that because I have gone out there myself and looked at this and I, I have trouble believing that number. Um, I agree. Do you, do you believe that we're doing enough to reach out to those homeless and ac accurately representing the, the homeless population here in our community? I believe the agency that you're referring to, they're doing an amazing job with what they have. Um, I've, mm -hmm. I've met with some of them before when I was able to go down there and talk to some of the homeless individuals myself mm -hmm. and just kind of get a feel of what was going on out there. Um, but, you know, I think they need the help. And that's why I'm saying the city has to come in and just own it and like, hey, we got to help these guys as much out as possible. Um, especially, uh, I believe that's HIP, correct? The agency that you're mm -hmm. yeah. referring to? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, that's what we have to do as leaders. Um, when I went down there and spoke to some of these uh, homeless individuals, some of the top things that they expressed to me was is they don't have an ID, right, yeah. uh, to get a job or, any, or, you know, or to stay anywhere because you got to have an ID with an address. Obviously, a homeless individual yeah. doesn't have an address. So one of the things I'm looking at is, okay, guys, how do we bridge that gap so we can start working on more solutions to get these people employed, to get them housed uh, and get them the right services. Do you believe that, and I, I just last night I, I was out working a project, uh, working a future story that we're going to publish here in the next coming week um, about the homeless issue here in our community. A lot of them say that they still feel like they're targeted um, by the, by some community members and the police. Do, do you believe that there's any of that going on in our community? Some of the individuals that I have, that I spoke to in the past that express that I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know, I haven't been able to see it myself, mm -hmm. you know, so I can't really, I guess, right. you know, attest to that. Uh, but one of the things that I was a part of uh, last year was the whole ordinance that went into effect with the uh, blue chip park. I don't know if you're aware or familiar with that. Where sure. They, yeah. Where they basically uh, enforce mm -hmm. the city enforce, you know, you can't, Right. Uh, take a nap in a park or lay down or even right. eat in a park, which picnics uh, is all, like with obviously off the, yeah, like, off the mm -hmm. table. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and I was part of that, that whole thing down there trying to advocate for the homeless and buy them some time. So, you know, our agencies could go out there and find you know, some sort of temporary solution for them, at least. Uh, so I guess you could say that might have been an example of targeting uh, mm -hmm. would have been breach apart. Do, do you believe do, do you believe that the the homeless under your administration, if you were mayor, what how what would you have done differently over that whole Bleacher Park thing? I would have made sure that the homeless individuals had somewhere to go first, mm -hmm. first and foremost, and that I was personally down there with the different agencies and making sure that every individual was getting the help they needed and resources that they needed. And then we would you, put the policy into effect. Do you believe that we have more homeless on the streets that, than the eight or 900 that, that the city and the state claim that we have? I do believe that. And I, I think a lot of citizens believe that as well, because that is uh, one of the top issues that I always hear uh, coming from the citizens. Let me circle back to, 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 the port and to our economic development. How do you think our port is doing right now? Well, from the last uh, report that I saw, they were doing pretty well. I, I believe they did a little over $300 million last year. Um, and one of the things that I would like to do, and that's on my platform, is incorporate an impact fee. And mm -hmm. what that would uh, be is, uh, a short example would be a 50 cent tariff on each short ton through the port that would be, you know, dispersed throughout surrounding counties and cities that are also impacted by the port. But just here in Corpus Christi alone, uh, that little fee right there would bring close to 30 to 35 million back in revenue just to us. And, and so, so you have confidence in our port and ports going today? I would say I have confidence in some of the things that they are doing. Mm -hmm. um, there's still some aspects that we need to look at and look into that we can do better at, especially environmentally. What about infrastructure, Eric Rodriguez? What, what do you, how do you view the infrastructure? Are we doing enough to, uh, to improve our streets, to improve um, our parks, our, our, a lot of our stormwater issues? Um, do you think we're doing enough or, or what more could we be doing? I think we're doing the, uh, the good enough you know, approach, like I was mentioning earlier, our streets are still, you know, we're still lacking in our streets, you know, very badly. We have a lot of failing infrastructure, especially downtown that hasn't been uh, touched or even looked into in I don't know how many years. Um, but instead, I think the city's more focused on continuing to expand outwards. Um, the thing mm -hmm. about me and my campaign is that we're worried about revitalizing the inland the inside of the city, you know, especially on parts of the city that have been forgotten, um, especially Flower Bluff. Flower Bluff has so much potential, um, mm -hmm. you know, to keep creating more parks, uh, you know, hiking, trails, you know, the whole nine yards. And we see that everywhere else except, you know, Flower Bluff, downtown, uh, towards, you know, Hillcrest and whatnot. Um, so I'd say infrastructure, we have to change our attitude on the annexing, um, that needs to stop, and we need to start looking inward in the city and revitalizing forgotten parts of our city. What would you do to Flower Bluff specifically? Because obviously we focus heavily on the south side. Flower Bluff is well within that. What would, and obviously, if you, you know, going out to the base to work every day, you see it. 
Um, what would you do to, to help bring business and uh, industry to, to Flower Bluff to, to help improve the economic situation out there? Well, the first thing we would have to solve or uh, you know, find a solution to the homeless issue. Obviously, that's a big issue mm-hmm. in Flower Bluff. I see it all the time. Uh, so that would be the, the number one thing. Uh, secondly, we'd have to take care of a lot of the roads and infrastructure that's out there as well. A lot of it is you know, uh, unkept and decaying. Um, and I would say third is they have so much potential for more growth with the business. And of course, like we were talking about the eco parks and, you know, like Water's Edge Park, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a great idea. And we could probably do like two or three of those in Flower Bluff. Um, and those are some of the things that I would try to advocate for to happen in Flower Bluff. And I think have those you... things attract businesses. Mm-hmm. Sure they do. And I think they uh, also attract uh new development, new, new residences and stuff out there, right? Correct. Yes, sir. And let me ask you this. We, um, going back to the base and to the job that, that you have out there, do you believe that the city is doing enough to maintain its relationship with the Department of Defense? And are you ever concerned that we're doing enough to keep the BRAC, the Base Realignment Commission, from ever putting us on the radar for base closure? I believe they're, they're doing a decent job um, from what I see and what I hear. Um, there's some things, obviously, I can't go into full detail about. Sure, sure. You know, um, just being an employee out there. But as sure. far as, as BRAC, you know, we've, I think they're, the people that are on that commission, they're doing a great job. And I believe it's uh, the head of that committee now is Congressman Philemon uh, mm-hmm. Bell, if I, if I pronounce yeah. his last name correct. Um, yep. I know he's taking a great approach on it, and he's continuing to fight to make sure the the Army Depot and NES Corpus Christi is staying open and employed. How do you, Senator uh, Senator Chewy Hinojosa, Juan Hinojosa, great friend of mine, wonderful human being, uh, State Representative Todd Hunter, Abel Herrero, another state representative, uh, how do you think our city works with our state delegation right now? I would say... In some, you know, in some parts, we're lacking. I do know that we have a lot of opportunity to ask for a lot of different resources, financial resources, uh, PPE resources. And I'm, this is all in regards mm-hmm. to the COVID-19 sure. uh, part that happened. And from what, I, from what I understand is we had to actually contact some of these uh, representatives and whatnot and ask for these uh, resources. And we didn't do that. For whatever reason, I don't know why that did not happen. So I would mm-hmm. say on, on that part that we are lacking in that department. Do you, do you believe that you could work well with, with our state delegation to, to address issues like TWIA? TWIA is a hot issue down here still. It hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks are, are still concerned that, that, that TWIA is up to something. Uh, property taxes is a huge issue for a lot of folks down here. And working with our state delegation and working with Austin, uh, do you believe that you have the network built to work with uh, our state delegation and with our state capital? I believe I do uh, have that ability and that network. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty great relationship with Todd Hunter, uh-huh. uh, with uh, Chuy Hinojosa as well. Not so much as Abel Herrera, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm willing to work on it and get there with him as well. You know, my past previous, my previous position with the union, 
that has kind of gave me the experience to work on policies and work with, you know, uh, people with higher authority than me. And we always come to a happy, happy medium on, you know, policies, whether it's contracts, the CBAs, the contracting binding agreements and whatnot. So it's not something that's fairly new to me. I would be able to transition in and, you know, be able to be diplomatic and make those results happen. Sure. It listening to this, to this interview, the mayor of the city, city council and all, all these positions are supposed to be apolitical. If I'm a independent voter, undecided voter, swing voter, whatever you want to call it, listening to this interview, I hear union Sierra club, um, you know, some of the, the, the things you've said here, you know, lead people to believe that Eric Rodriguez would be a progressive liberal candidate. What would you say to change their mind and say that, you know what, Eric Rodriguez is truly apolitical and his only motivation is the city of Corpus Christi? That's a great question. I appreciate it. I would, I would say to everybody that's listening, my concern is not a Republican's concern. It's not a Democrat's concern or an independent. My concern is what's best and what is the right thing for the citizens of Corpus Christi and the future of Corpus Christi, not the future of any of these parties. That's why I'm running. I'm running to make sure that everybody is represented, no matter what side of the city you live on. That is my main concern. And you are going to focus you're 100% focused on jobs, infrastructure, and getting us the right way. And social services is a huge part of that platform. Other than homeless, um, what do you think you would do as mayor to reach out to, to our underserved community? Just the We see a lot. Of, if you drive around Corpus, Eric Rodriguez, you, you see this. There, there's poverty everywhere. And you mentioned Flower Bluff earlier. There's mm-hmm. huge pockets of Poverty and flower bluff. Folks that may not be homeless, but they're just poor. They're economically challenged. Um, what do we as a society, as a community, do to reach out to those folks? Uh, do you think there's enough resources out there to help our economically disadvantaged in our community? I believe that there is. And we just haven't, I guess you could say, strategized enough or looked into <laughs> it enough to make it happen. Um I, I can make this happen with, you know, going through the, the impact fees, as I said, with the port and, you know, reconstructing the IDAs, the industrial district agreements, the industry to make sure they pay their fair share to bring back, you know, some revenue to the city's budget and, you know, create programs that can reach out to these uh, citizens that are, you know, like you said, are, uh, I don't want to say uh, poor or economically mm-hmm. poor, but, yeah. you know, those type of citizens and make sure that they get the help that they need, you know, get everybody in the right track. Are we as a community on track with healthcare, Eric, are, are we, is our healthcare, we still lack here in Corpus Christi, a, a full level one trauma center uh, that recently came into to question with some folks uh, here in Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. really concerned at our healthcare situation. Uh, do you believe that we're doing enough to keep the citizens of Corpus Christi safe when it comes to average everyday health care, trauma needs, whatever the case may be? Do you believe we, we could do more to, to improve our health care situation here? Right. And I believe we can do more. Once again, going back to that good enough, 
you know, mind, mm-hmm. mindset. Uh, we can do more. We could, you could always do better. And I think that we have even, you know, the, the force to create that center here. We have the labor force for that. You know, we're also a hub, you know, of uh, nurses and medical field here in Corpus Christi that it could be a reality. Do you education? Let, let's talk about education for a little bit. What would you do as mayor of Corpus Christi to improve and equalize education across the board? You look at CCISD, um, the schools. One argument is that each of the high schools um, is very, very different. What can we do to equalize education and educational opportunities uh, for the children in our community? Well, I believe that our local leaders would have to, you know, have a sit down with CCISD, the superintendent, and uh, necessary entities involved and find out what's going on and how we can move forward to make that happen. I don't think it's uh, just a one agency job that can do it on their own. I think it takes multiple uh, players involved in that. It sounds like Eric Rodriguez is a bridge builder. Is that exactly. right? That's correct. It, yes, sir. <laughs> And, and and it sounds like you're willing to work. You, it sounds like you've put some thought into this. Like like you've identified some issues that you feel are are very important and are 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 very hot button issues. And it sounds like Eric Rodriguez has brought before the citizens of this community solutions, not just identified problems. Um, now it comes down to convincing those voters that your solutions are worth having. I'm going to, we've been talking here for about 45 minutes. I'm going to give you the floor here. I'm going to give you the final word, make your pitch to the voters of Corpus Christi for Eric Rodriguez candidate for Corpus Christi mayor and, and take up, take up as much time as you need here and make that pitch to those voters. I appreciate that. And once again, Matt, you know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about myself and my campaign and, you know, what I'm fighting for. Uh, so I do appreciate sure. that. Sure. So I want everybody that's listening to know that I am a leader that, you know, will assure the citizens that you will have a mayor that will work for everyone. Um, like I mentioned before, no matter what side of the city you live on, you know, and throughout my mayoral campaign, I've strived to uh, be an outlet that can give citizens their own platform to speak and be heard and restore their voice in the city hall. And that's why i vow to continue to do once elected as mayor. Now, I believe that we do need a mayor that can balance our growing industry and at the same time ensure our environmental protection and prosperity of our city. And that's another thing that I vow to do once elected as mayor. I'm an everyday working class, blue collar guy. uh, and And I believe for the longest time, working class people have not had or have had a representative in City Hall that represents them and their needs and their situations and issues. And I think it's time that that change, and that change has to start at the top. And that's why I'm running for Corpus Christi Mayor, is to represent everyone in this city that I cherish so much, and I cherish the future of this city, not just for my child, but for all citizens. I believe citizens young and old deserve to know that future generations will inherit a safe, sustainable, and prosperous city. And there you have it. That is Eric Rodriguez. He's running for mayor of Corpus Christi. Eric, thanks for uh, 
thanks for joining us here yeah, on this appreciate podcast. It, I really appreciate this. It's been a very, uh, very good conversation. And again, the, these are questions that we're posing to all of the candidates who will allow themselves time to come on here and be questioned. And, and Eric, I, I hope we didn't put you too much on the spot here with some of these questions. <laughs> None of this stuff. No, was, no worries. No worries. I, yeah. I tell I tell people this all the time that we don't script these questions. We don't screen them by the candidates. We just throw them out there and say, "Hey, look, this is what we're doing. What we want to talk about." And I, I think you did a wonderful job with. You've been listening to a conversation with Eric Rodriguez, who is running for mayor of the city of Corpus Christi. This podcast was produced by the Southside Light News and was brought to you by the support of individual members and business supporters who believe in the value of independent, influential, and educational news here in Corpus Christi in Oasis County. Check back in here more often for these in-depth conversations with local officials, office holders, policymakers, candidates for public office, and influencers. For more information and the latest news, weather, and information and discussion, please visit our website, www southsidelightnews.com and follow us on social media. Thank you again for joining us for this conversation with Eric Rodriguez, candidate for mayor of Corpus Christi. I'm Matt Pierce Briscoe.